As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through So tell me why you mad even Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens Each season, champion contenders We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba Your team whack and your players whacker I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer Okay, we about chips here I'm talking about this year Band of 12 plus 6 here Fast PP Top rookie, I'm saying it now Brown, we off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvey Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you on a Monday afternoon, and the Celtics are in seventh place. And it is not great. It, it comes after a wild weekend of basketball where I felt initially pretty good at it. To take you guys behind the curtain, we recorded a little Google brief before every game for people to listen on their Google players. And I was all positive. I was like, Jason Tatum's Eastern Conference Player of the Week. They had the 30-point comeback. It was a crazy game against the Trailblazers. Mr. Positivity uh, and Jay King was just uh, not having any of it. He just uh, rained on my parade. So, Jay, how should I be feeling as a Celtics fan coming off the crazy one of the craziest weekends uh, with the Celtics basketball this entire season. Well, you were talking about how it seems like the Celtics have played so great, and yet they're they're still in seventh. And I kindly reminded you that they were pitiful during the first half against San Antonio. Yeah, what about that second half, though, bub? They came back fell, from down 30. They Their defense fell apart against Portland. Obviously, the Blazers hit some tough shots, but... I mean, they, they left Carmelo Anthony wide open for a three-pointer on one of the most important possessions of that game. They gave up 
something like there I think it was 126.5 offensive rating to the Blazers which was the fourth best against the Celtics this season are we just which, gonna not act like they were shot for shot with the Blazers the whole time and that their bench scored and they lost at home to a team that is on a four game winning streak and has one of the higher net ratings when it's the starting lineup and is one of just like the better teams in the league in terms of how they're playing right now like a, you're, you're giving just, you're the just, Celtics way too much credit I th- it was a fun game. Sorry, I enjoyed watching the shootout. Sorry, I enjoyed like, the watching them come back from thirty points. I admit, like you're you're just listening to Brad too much because Brad was furious after the Spurs game. He did not enjoy the thirty-two point comeback whatsoever, lashing out at the team. Yeah, I, I it has nothing to do with what Brad Stevens says. I thought he was too much of a negative Nancy after that that comeback. Oh, now you can't have it both ways. But but you're just you're too positive. You're too positive. You gotta. And and look, you're you're balancing out a lot of negative, overly negative forces probably about the Celtics. But there's a there's a middle ground there. There's there's reality, and then there's like way above that Packers version of reality. It's because I'm too process based, and um, results is really kicking my ass right now. Because you look at the standings, and they're in the seventh seed. It's like. It doesn't really matter that they shot the lights out against the Portland Trailblazers. They needed to win the basketball game so they didn't fall to the seventh seed because the Heat, um, the Knicks, and the Hawks all won. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens because they don't play very well when they have guys who are hurt. And the end of that game, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just kind of smashed into each other. Jalen Brown was already hurt. Tatum has been listed on the injury report before. Kemba has a hip thing. Uh they need to win these next eight games or do pretty well compared to uh, all those other teams, but they haven't been good this year when guys are hurt. And so, and they've they had a lot of back. they've had a lot of damaging losses lately, like losing to the Nets without KD and James Harden, losing to the Hornets, getting clapped by the Hornets without Lamelo and Gordon Hayward, losing to the Thunder. Like those are all important games for seeding. And and the Celtics botched those. Now they're in seventh place. And now they're in a battle to get out of the play-in tournament. They're in a battle to get into the 4-5 matchup, which is, I think, very important to escape one of the three best teams, or all three best teams in the East in that first round. So, you know, they've they've done it to themselves. And And you can be Mr. Positive, and you can talk about, the process, and you can be super excited about Jason Tatum's shot making recently, as I should but, be. But like, they've squandered a lot of winnable games lately in a stretch when they could have solidified themselves as a four or five seed. They had a very good chance to do that. They had a schedule that was set up for them to get W's, and and they lost to the Thunder. You know, so they did lose to the Thunder. I mean, they're they've just not been a very consistent team, especially when guys are hurt. And so that way, like, makes it even more interesting to see how they're going to handle these next eight games where normally you would be maybe cruising into the season resting guys. I have a question for you, Jay. Given where they are right now, is not playing Kemba on back to backs like, is that a good decision that they should have made? Like, given how much individual games matter at this point? Was it what like what benefits have they necessarily gotten from not playing Kemba on back to backs? Because they've had a bad record in those games. Yeah, but I mean, the the flip side of that is 
now hopefully Kemba will have some basis of health when they get to the playoffs and it will be worth it to give up some of those games on the second nights of back-to-backs so that his knee is feeling stronger than it was last postseason and has a better chance of holding up throughout the entire playoffs, which I think was an issue. If, if you look back at his playoff last year, for like nine games, Kemba was great, and the Celtics offense was incredible with him on the court. Then they played that like 55-minute game, the, the double overtime or whatever it was against Toronto, and, and he came back after that and really, really struggled. And some of it was zone defenses. Some of it was like – junk curveballs from the Heat and the Raptors. But the the splits from before that game and after it are eye-opening. And so the Celtics, like they put him on a program and they stuck to that program. And now they have to hope that Tatum and Brown are okay and that Evan Fournier escapes his COVID situation, which sounds just nightmarish, man. Like poor Fournier. Honestly, hearing what he's going through is – how do you play a basketball game like that? Yeah, it's he said what he commented like the lights give him headaches and make him uh, his vision a little blurry. Seems like that would be pretty important to try and make shots and just generally play basketball. I think he's been pretty good on the defensive end. Uh, we saw a crazy hustle play, two dives on the floor last night, um, but he's been good defensively. I think he's been pretty good at passing the ball. Uh, but it's just yeah, I, like- I disagree about the defense stuff. I think he's had a lot of miscommunications. And even though he's been disruptive with some steals and stuff like that, for the most part, I think Fournier has has not been a plus defensively at all. And I, I, I get why that's the case. Like he has, he's dealing with a lot of stuff and is in a new situation with a new team, with I'm sure new strategies. But I, I am not as sold as you are on on his defensive performance so far. That is fair. I'm bas- mostly basing it off of there's no glaring mistakes. I feel like there's one where he hadn't missed a switch with Tremont that I thought was Tremont's fault, but um, agree to disagree on that one. It's better when he's scoring 21 points. I feel like the – I'm still optimistic. I still like think that the Aaron Neesmith play is like played pretty damn well over the past couple of games. You tweeted out what Peyton Pritchard is shooting from three. Evan Fournier knocked down a bunch of shots. They were able to score that many points and be in a shootout against the Trailblazers without Kemba Walker. Uh, I just think they like there were good signs from the past couple of games. I, Aaron Neesmith being, I think, the primary one. If you can get some sort of shooting off the bench and his energy on the defensive end, they're a, like him being able to double guys and then really attack closeouts, uh, especially against DeRozan at the second half of that Spurs game, was pretty impressive and. We've talked this whole year about the the top seven and them not having wing depth. What if they just have, like, we were excited when Romeo just played and they had a guy who was serviceable. What if they have a guy who can knock down shots and then actually is a positive instead of just a serviceable wing? Like, that completely changes how much depth they have going into playoffs. Maybe they rely on their top players a little bit less. Neesmith is a maniac. A maniac. And there's reason to be excited about it. He's our maniac. He's... You're a maniac. <laughs> when when I say we, I refer to the team. We know Jay is an independent journalist, uh, but he's playing out of his mind. He's every single game, and by every single game, I mean the last two. But three, 
Three. 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 Sorry, I undersold Green Bean, but I didn't really see this coming. I knew he like played like a maniac, but now it seems to be he's channeling that energy for good. Yeah, you can see the confidence build. The three-pointers are starting to go down. He's playing with an intensity that is just rare and exciting to watch because you never know. Sort of like a Robert Williams energy, right? Like where some most of the time it's really good, and then sometimes it's like, eh, like probably tone it down a little bit, man. No, but no, you, you just got to accept how Maybe insane it is. Because the, no, because the other stuff won't happen unless you go full tilt every single time, and that's what Neesmith's been doing. But, Especially on but, the offensive glass. He's been had crazy putbacks against the Spurs that were huge for them. Yeah, and I think I think his development is crucial long-term. Like, you got to hit on either at least one of him and Romeo. And if you can, then all of a sudden you go into next year with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, maybe Evan Fournier and Neesmith. And all of a sudden you've got all the wings you need. And we've talked about wing dev ad nauseum. That's probably the, the term we've used the most. It's like the new positional defense. That It's no longer wing depth. We got wing talent. Wing talent. Ooh, wing talent. I mean, yeah. Brad, but, is, but, Brad is drawing ATOs for Neesmith to knock down open threes, and he's just doing it. Yeah, and and like like you can see a bench being built out, right? Like the it's it's coming into focus. The the bench that they will have in the future at some point. And that's Peyton Pritchard as a backup guard. He has been super efficient this year. Like for a rookie guard, his efficiency has just been really off the charts. Aaron Neesmith now is as a hustle guy and and three-point guy like there's a path for him i don't think he'll be at all a playoff factor and i say that because if if the celtics are healthy they just won't have minutes for him they'll they'll be giving those to all their other players um Neesmith will probably have very little opportunity if he does have an opportunity he'll probably be on a, a shorter leash because Brad Stevens won't trust him as much as everybody else. Um, so I'm kind of like trying to rein, rein in the excitement a little bit. But at the same time, like he's an option now. And he's a playoff option. And he's a guy like I he's do He's someone you can go to if like in the playoffs, say the team needs a little juice and you need more three-point shooting. Try Aaron Neesmith for six minutes and see like see what he can do. And you actually trust him to one, be like hold out defensively. And now it's knockdown shots. I think what has been like a is a I've thought about as a seven man rotation. We talked about it uh, before, just how there's not a lot of minutes left. But right now, it feels like it could be more of a nine man rotation, just because Pritchard and Neesmith have been that good. And I but think do you, want, thing, do you want to go nine deep? Like you, no, but you have the luxury of doing so. You have the luxury of just bringing in shooting off the bench and athleticism and like a little bit of playmaking with Pritchard. I just think it's like. It's good to have those. And what are we talking about here? Do we assume the Celtics top seven is actually going to be healthy? Like it's more likely that someone misses time and that Neesmith and Pritchard are going to have to play big minutes. So I think it's a, like a better sign that they're be like, or more reliable at this point. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's a better sign that they're more reliable. Um, and I mean, Tatum thinks he's going to be okay, but Jalen 
who knows um, if he'll be all right after he hopped off the court on one leg, refused to put any any weight on it was, it was his, his right ankle. Right, right ankle. ankle. Yeah. And uh, and then, you, like, you could hear he screamed so loud, like, fuck! Like, he was he was hurting. Um, and there, there were, like, some optimistic reports from players and coaches and or Brad uh, after the game. But, you know, that, that his status is still an if. Kemba, he's missed time lately. Robert Williams, his... His injury history is always a concern, especially given the lack of depth the Celtics have now at center. So they just have a ton of ifs going into the playoffs. And a lot more ifs than you'd like to have this time of year. I guess I guess a lot of teams have ifs this season. Uh, a lot of teams are dealing with health issues and continuity issues and all that stuff. But but it just seems like the Celtics have a lot. And if they hit on a number of those, uh, then they'll have a chance to be very competitive in the playoffs. You know, if, if they don't hit on a number of those, then maybe they'll be relying on Neesmith, on Pritchard uh, to play pretty substantial minutes. And, and Fournier, I think, is is a, a pretty substantial if at this point where is he going to be – able to play at a high level going into the playoffs. And if he's not, if if he's struggling, obviously the Portland game was by far his best since returning from COVID-19. But if he does have struggles and he says he's still dealing with, you know, kind of concussion-like symptoms and a lack of depth perception, which is not good for shooting, <laughs> I assume. But if, if he is struggling, like how – how quick is the leash for him? How how limited will his minutes be from Brad Stevens? And how much of that playing time could Neesmith dig into? And so th- that's where I think there's a, a path to a substantial Neesmith role is if, is if one of the players above him in the hierarchy has some sort of health issue, whether it's Fournier or Kemba, or if Jalen needs to miss time and, and maybe misses the start of the playoffs, then then that's where I see the path for, for Neesmith to play minutes. But if, if they're right, there will just be very few minutes for any of the bench guys, I think, behind Fournier and, and either Tristan Thompson or Robert Williams, whoever comes off the bench. It's hard for me to even like fathom a lineup where they have their top seven guys and like they only play maybe eight guys. Cause it feels like Peyton Pritchard has had a, like a pretty solid stretch or played like a lot of minutes this year. And I think the Celtics would still use him for a bit in the playoffs, not a long period of time, but I think he's been productive and gives the team something that they just don't have. Uh, especially if Kemba Walker's hurt, I think Peyton Pritchard plays a lot more, but his three point shooting has been much better recently. And I think he's just in terms of pace, in terms of pushing the floor, attacking the basket, probing the defense, He's one of the better guys on the Celtics to do it. So I agree with you. Like they, Ideally, they're not going to have to use Neesmith and P- Pritchard, but I feel like they're both ready, and I can't really imagine the Celtics being a fully healthy team. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Like, do you slay? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. They're going to play all these games coming up. They're going to need to play hard. There's no more coasting in the NBA now that we have a playing game. And so uh, everybody's been coasting, bro. No, they haven't. Everyone's been injured because they're not coasting. They've played five games in seven nights. I mean, LeBron's pissed off about it. He said whoever made the playing game should be fired. Uh, but a uh, wild take from LeBron there. But now he finds himself in the seventh seed, and he can't just flip the switch. It's tough for guys like Tristan Thompson, you say the regular season is horse poop, because it's no longer horse poop. The seeding matters. Like, they need they need to win these basketball games. As much as I like the process, the results uh, are pretty huge coming up. Uh, like, what – how bad would it be if they were in the seventh seed? Like, then just beat the Hornets and uh, try to you try your best against the Nets. I mean, or the Bucks or the Sixers. Like, there's there's no real clarity at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. I feel like the Bucks are pretty like locked into the three seed, aren't they? Two and a half behind. I think um, they're closer than that now, right? After they beat the the Nets, no, they're two and a half behind the Nets and three behind the Sixers. The Sixers just retook first place. The thing okay, is, like, yeah, either either Sixers or Brooklyn. In, but see, this is why I think the four or five is important because then you avoid all those teams in round one. If Philly stays in in the first seed, I think they're the team you want to play out of the top three. And and maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe Philly's better. What? Maybe Embiid is just it's such a dangerous matchup that that they'll be a force but i i just i think brooklyn and milwaukee are a cut above philly and if if you can get four or five and and get into that matchup draw either the the knicks hawks or heat in round one and then go to to philly and play round two that's the path of least resistance i feel like and i feel pretty strongly about that now do you think you may they not could matter because the, the Celtics Sixers? are losing to the Thunder and shit? But do you think they could beat the Sixers in a seven-game series? I don't think it's out of the question. So then you should have no problem with them falling to the eight seed and just playing them in round one. What's the difference between play, losing, like giving the Celtics a good series in round one, or defeating them in the second round? I'm just trying to uh, talk myself into acceptable scenarios for when they make the playing game. Okay, so you don't want them to fall to eighth because if they do. That means they've they lost will be, the first They will be game. playing for their their life. Maybe that's what this need. You saw how good they played when they got down 32. Maybe, let's go with me here, they get the seven seed. Everyone's clowning them on Twitter. It's like, uh, oh, my God, the Celtics are awful. Danny Ainge should have made a trade and all the classic narratives. Their back's against the wall, and they need to, and they win the first thing against the Hornets and then going up against the Brooklyn Nets – and James Harden has not yet played and still may be missing some time. And you catch the Nets a little bit hurt in the first round. 
and you then used to make some noise. All I want from the Celtics this offseason is to make some noise. If it happens that they have to make some noise in the first round, like, okay, make some noise against the top uh, three seeds. Yes, I would enjoy a series victory over the Hawks or Knicks, but then if you just get, like, smoked in the second round by one of the top three, is that really better than taking one of the top three to seven in the first round? I mean, these are these are riddles that that can't really be answered because I'm asking lo- you to losing, answer. losing in the playoffs is losing in the playoffs. Having a disappointing season is having a disappointing season. What is going to make it so it's not a disappointing season? Because I don't oh, it's, think it's have- going to be a disappointing season. <laughs> so accepting that and moving forward, well, how can we make it the least disappointing season? It's going to be. It's, they just got to make point, some noise. At this point, it is likely to be a disappointing season. Not and you, if they make some noise. All I'm asking for is a little noise making. Like they just take play a hard fought series against any of the top three teams who I think are clearly better than them, and you play competitive. I'm happy. The season's been insane. The Jason Tatum, you Evan Fournier can't see. Like it hurts lights hurt his eyes and affect his depth perception. It's very hard to expect him to perform consistently. It's just been a, a wild year. I'm all all I'm asking for is them to make some noise. That's that's possible. They they could make noise. That's all I'm asking for. And you know, I think maybe the, the light a fire under their asses, like they're down 32 if they get in the playing game. It's just going to be uh, interesting. The thing that's going to we, be we've got to talk. We've got to talk about the officiating in oh, it was in, in the Portland game, and more than the officiating, we've got to talk about Corrales getting big mad about the officiating. <laughs> I did not see Corrales getting big mad. I. I I saw on Twitter that he was big mad, and I listened to his podcast for probably the first time ever. This is that's um, wild news, Jay including King when never I was listened. a part of it. Yeah, I, I needed to hear Big Mad Corrales, and he did not disappoint. What oh, was he man. most upset about? The goaltending call and being unable to challenge. He was ashamed of the NBA for play, playing ashamed. this season. For playing this season, um, he. With the COVID stuff. I mean, there was that article that came out that a bunch of uh, officials have COVID and that they're using a bunch more G League officials now, which you, I thought was okay. interesting. Here, Here's my take on that. A bunch of people in every line of work, every line of society have COVID. The players, the teams, everybody decided to play this season. And not only that, they discussed how the season would look like. Yeah, it's a so, shit season so far. It's a Fun. shit season. It's a shit season for everybody, but but the the finances made it make sense for people, and everybody's struggling. Teams are struggling. Players are struggling. Guys are in and out of the lineup. Injuries, this and that. I get it. It's really really hard, hard to deal with, hard to navigate. Um, it's just one of those seasons where I guess the only season where we dealt know, with a global pandemic. Yeah, it's actually so, the second season that they've dealt with the pandemic. But but, but it's a business. It's a business, and all and I was the, saying, the players' association was on board. Okay, but all I was saying was there's reasons why the officials are bad, like uh, or, or have been worse, possibly. But let's get back to Corrales being mad online. Big mad, big mad. It was incredible. Just he put on a show, and then uh, what was what was his point? Oh, the Tristan Thompson one. He like. He did like a Zapruder film. Of, <laughs> this is when Brad called the timeout exactly seven seconds. Yeah, and it was. And then I looked at the video because he kept referring to this video he he put on his Twitter, 
And in the video, it's like very, very, very close to whether they'd handed the ball to CJ McCollum <laughs> or not. When Jason Tatum was calling for the timeout and like all the way across the court. And so like it was a bang, bang call. I don't like the the, the goaltending was as bad as it gets. That was the most obvious non-goaltending you'll ever see called goaltending. It was a big play. The Celtics gave up two three-pointers right after that to go down seven. They would have had the lead if they'd gotten that bucket. They would have had the momentum if they'd gotten that bucket. Don't get me wrong. That, it was awful. Um, but but it was definitely bang-bang. The timing was bang-bang. Corrales was big, Matt. He, he broke it all down. <laughs> went, went through all the tape. I, I respect the work. Um, and I then, mean, the other controversy, what he had to talk about, Marcus Smart getting smashed in the head by Norm Powell and a no-call, and then – I was Marcus Smart got ejected. It was kind of wild. Uh, he clearly did strike Nurkic uh, in the man parts. In the man parts, in the groin. I don't think it was necessarily on purpose. He did also get fouled by Nurkic, uh, but the, the quick ejection was kind of surprising and uh, just, I'm sure, had to piss Corrales off because he Marcus Smart also got destroyed in the head and completely elbowed. I thought he had a concussion after that. I'm kind of surprised he stayed in the game, but. Wasn't so, great. So this was Corrales' best take. Was he was pissed off that the referees took a lot of time on the Marcus Smart review. Because in his estimation, if you couldn't see it right away that it was dangerous or you know unsportsmanlike as they deemed it, then it wasn't on sportsman. That's the that's wild because they took so long to find the correct camera angle of it. That, that, see that that's that's what the, a true, you know, next level thinker like me or you would say. <laughs> but but Corrales was was big mad. They they couldn't identify it right away, and instead, if went, there's a groin strike, for, looking for the right answer very hard. He didn't on, even strike the weather. groin. Marcus I'm never ready. touched the man, according to Chris. Yeah. But I, 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 I kind of agree that, like, I, I just don't get how you get ejected for that on one tack. Like, it, it, some of the ejections and flagrant foul stuff just seems so arbitrary to me, and, and that that's my issue with NBA officiating. Like, Smart got hit in the face. They reviewed it. They reviewed it. Didn't call anything. Like. Like I remember last season in the playoffs, Jason Tatum was like driving to the hoop and his his arm like flung out and he hit somebody and that was a flagrant. So I just, I just it's so arbitrary sometimes and what I feel is like called less- a flagrant, what is called, you know, in this case what what was what he was ejected for, and and like he absolutely hit him in the man parts, but I don't think it was like an imper- like a intentional swing. It feels like they have no discretion for. Nut shots. It's like a nut shot is an immediate uh, ejection, whereas elbowing someone in the face, albeit accidentally, can sometimes get you a, a flagrant and sometimes not. Just kind of wild. Uh, interpret like they're just given rules. The thing that's wild to me is that whether or not a play is reviewable is based on the speed at which the uh, referee hands the ball to the other team. Like if you get like say the ball gets like knocked away into the crowd and uh, you get another look at it and then you get a chance to call a timeout. Like, why is that? If the emphasis isn't getting it right is just to get the right call. 
why is it based on this arbitrary time of getting the referee to like giving the ball to well, the I think I think that's so you can't sit there on the sideline, like watch a replay and then decide after that whether you're going to challenge it. And it has to be more of a real time decision, or it's supposed to be more of a real time decision. So I get that. Um in that case, like especially like it was such a shitty call. It was just it was an really bad call. I, I think people should be far more upset with the call itself, which was not even close. Like, how can you look at that dunk, which was what was it like three feet off the cylinder? It was so far off the cylinder. Um, so my, my issue was far more with the call itself rather than whether to review it, whether to be able to review it. Brad did take like a, a little time. I, I think he normally waits for like the reaction from his coaches to decide the assistant coaches to decide whether to call the challenge. Um, he probably or the team probably was trying to call a timeout in time. But like I said, it was, it was very close. They were furious. The whole bench was furious. I'm not sure I've ever seen the Celtics bench as furious as it was. Coaches were ju- assistant coaches were jumping up like well into the court. It was it was an electric scene on the sideline. I I kind of enjoyed how how ferocious they all got together while banding together about that shitty shitty goaltending call. The problem is they were so furious that they forgot to guard the three point line on the next two possessions and then immediately fell down seven. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't a great response to the whole situation. But it was a it, what a weird game though. Just the ending was so strange. It went from being an absolute shootout to review every two seconds. Marcus Smart gets ejected for hitting someone in the man parts. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown collide with each other deep in in the game of the final minute. Both of them go limping off the court. It's like the two franchise cornerstones involved in the same collision with each other. Just an absolute mess of an ending and then on top of it the Celtics lose fall to seventh place in the Eastern Conference maybe in the playing tournament just a kind of a disastrous sequence of events to end that that game so what should we expect from this team over this next two game road trip these are absolutely if you're like losing to the Trailblazers I give them more leeway because the Trailblazers are playing really well and have one of the better offenses in the league you can't lose to the Magic, and you can't lose to the Bulls. Uh, but if any team can find a way to get hurt or not be completely um, healthy or just like playing down to your opponent, it's the 2021 Boston Celtics. What do you think is going to happen given all the kind of turmoil, I guess, of the la- end of last game, the desire to maybe rest some guys, uh, but they're still playing the Magic and then the Bulls? I mean, they, they're games they should win, but... Like I said, they've squandered a lot of games recently. Tatum and Brown, their statuses are up in the air. Kemba, like there's there's hope that he'll be able to play on Wednesday, but no sure thing on that. So there's, I mean, there's still a lot uncertain about not just Wednesday, but moving forward for the Celtics. Like who are they going to have? How healthy are they going to be? Um, and... And can they finally get a little bit of momentum heading into the playoffs? It's been a year where every time it seems like they're figuring it out, they get another injury, they get another COVID-19 case, they blow a game against a bad team. They, and it, it was like 
the two games, the difference between like the comeback against San Antonio, elation, pure elation. TD Garden is as loud as it's been since the world shut down. And then two days later, Smart gets ejected. Two best players, you know, are hobbling off the court and nobody really knows, you know, the extent of, of those injuries, although Tatum thinks he'll be okay. So just that's kind of, I guess, how it's gone for this team. It's either been – it's been a rocky, rocky year, and here they are. A lot of ifs going into the playoffs. A lot of ifs. Seven games left. And we'll finish Even this. Smith. <laughs> we'll finish with this before getting the potable six-pack. Seven games left. How many games do they have to win, do you think, to get into the 4-5 seed? Uh, I mean, they they probably got to win. I mean, it, I think they got to win at least five. Um, looking at like the Knicks have a tr- like tough West Coast swing. The two games against Miami are going to be very important because yeah, those, those will be huge. That's going to be huge for the play-in game. Um, because right now they're basically playing against Miami for who makes that seven seed. But I think they have to go at least five and two, and you assume they're going to lose one of those to Miami just because. I feel like when you have played two games in a row, the split is more likely. Doesn't really give them a lot of leeway to lose any more games uh, for the remaining of this, like remainder of the season. They got to go like five and two, ideally six and one to finish. But I don't know. It's hard to uh, necessarily see that happen with this team. But who knows? It starts against the Magic and then the Bulls. Whatever happens, Jay and I will be here to talk about it. And you guys will hopefully be there to listen. If you enjoyed the show, please uh, subscribe, rank it five stars, tell a friend, do all those things. We're not going to do the potable six-pack, bro? Oh, my God. I completely forgot about it. fuck is wrong with you? Well, you don't want to know what it is. is It felt like your rant about Corrales was like a prime first pick about for the potable six-pack. By the way, I, I got uh, to salute to Corrales, man. Uh, the man I, puts I, in the work. He, he made a whole Zapruder footage. He he made the whole Zapruder footage. He he's doing the podcast by himself, which is very difficult to do. To do that and make it entertaining, make every it every day too. Legend, legend. So I I wasn't wasn't going at him personally, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Every everyone should go watch it. Absolutely. Uh, I think I think we should just give him the first pick in the potable six pack because. Uh, one, I did not take notes this weekend. And so I'm, uh, don't have a lot to say. And two, uh, he deserves all the credit in the world. And so being the first pick, my first pick in the potable six pack is how I'm going to try to play my way out of the situation. Then there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, are we just doing, yeah, I guess, I guess I did the, the six pack with Forsberg after the, the Tatum game. That's what makes it hard. So it's all things from the Portland trailblazers game, which I feel like we've already talked about a fair amount or any moments uh, from your notes that we haven't gotten to. Uh, Marcus smart throwing alley-oops was, was probably that, that was, I enjoyed the Marcus smart alley-oops. He didn't have, the best shooting game. He took one shot in the fourth quarter. I thought was pretty ill-advised, but the man can really throw an alley-oop. The Celtics have come a very far away as far as throwing alley-oops. They, they can actually do them now without it becoming a disaster. And I think part of that is just having Robert Williams who can almost literally catch everything, but, but smart, smart can place those bitches up there. (laughs) 
that he can. He had the nice one to Romeo. Um, that was all Romeo did on offense the entire game. That's that's true. And then I'm gonna go with with Neesmith, man. And Neesmith, Neesmith's shooting because Neesmith, the hustle guy, came out a couple games ago. But I think now you're seeing Neesmith start to become more comfortable from behind the arc. And if he does that and plays as hard as he can with the physicality that he does, then Celtics got a player. They got a player. And and then they, they, not only that, but they also have two guys, two young guys in him and Pritchard who should fit well next to Tatum and Brown because they can both shoot the rock, space the court, and they're tough. So this this draft class could end up being pretty good. It could end up being pretty good. The 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 jury's still out. They're still rookies, although Pritchard's been really efficient. I think it's pretty fair to say that he's he's earned a role. Um Neesmith, like he's had three good games. I'm I'm not willing to stamp on it the top of his forehead that he was a, a steal of a draft pick at number 14 quite yet. But promising signs from the rookie and promising signs for the Celtics that they might have gotten two guys who fit well next to their two best players. Solid pick. Neesmith, uh, Green Bean, going to do things. Apparently he's not going to play in the playoffs at all, says you, but I think he might make an impact. For my pick, because oh, I, 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 I did a, uh, it's coming out in the morning, like a, a preview of the Celtics playoff rotation. And, and that's where that's coming from. And I basically had eight minutes between Pritchard, Neesmith, and anyone else. Yeah, I no, had, it makes sense. I understand I the J- minutes aren't J- there for him. Jalen and Tatum, I had them both at like 40 minutes per game, which was right around where they were last year. Um, I had Smart and Kemba both at 36 minutes per game, which they could probably play even more than that, at least some nights. But I think limiting those guys because of Smart's playing style and because of Kemba's injury history is is probably wise. And then I had Fournier playing, I think it was 32 minutes per game, which is probably like he can absolutely do that. He played more than that when he was with Orlando. So if you if you do that, then there just aren't going to be very many minutes for anyone else. Yeah, no, it's it's a reasonable assertion. I just needed uh, to uh, remind you that you tried to rain on my parade earlier when I was celebrating Neesmith, and then in your six-pack, you celebrate Neesmith. It's just, just trying to keep you honest. My celebrations are great times and <laughs> wise and... Well thought out, just well-reasoned celebrations, and mine are irrational. Is that what you're trying to say? I mean, you are, you did say the Celtics have played great ball lately after they've lost four of six, including one to the Thunder and one to the shorthanded Hornets. And You know who has played great ball lately and is going to be my pick in the potable six-pack is Jason Tatum. He's Eastern Conference Player of the Week. You know who, like, what happens in the playoffs is usually the best player in the series wins. And that could be Jason Tatum, especially if he's peaking right now. He averaged what forty two points okay. this week. I think there just has to be a, a some like celebration. He's on fire. He was four or five last night from deep. His sidestep three is absurd. It feels like he's uh, attacking more and really figured out. At least just in that Spurs game, a little bit uh, getting to the uh, line with ease. He's just attacking the rim. His floats 
ridiculous floater games who's like able to still draw fouls he's playing very good and so if the Celtics are going to go as far as their best player goes and the playoffs is about maximizing your best player it feels good that he is scoring at the level he is right now okay so let's go in the Eastern Conference where would you put Jason Tatum in terms of best fourth. player? Fourth. So it would be Embiid, Durant, Durant I guess Harden. Durant, Durant, Harden, Giannis. But Durant and Harden are on the same team. So I mean, they, I think they still both count, man. They still both count, maybe. Uh, but in terms of best player in the series, I think the top three teams, Jason Tatum wouldn't be it against anyone else in the playoffs. Uh, he would be. So maybe that's why you try to get that four to five seed so you guarantee yourself a series win. But nonetheless, he's playing quite well and scoring uh, at his most efficient rate uh, in a while. It, it's good. Jason Tatum's being good at basketball. I'm going to pick. He's been, I, can't, I can't complain about that. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good pick. Jason Tatum has been ridiculous lately. He's And like you said, it's it's the way he's playing as much as the stats behind it. You know, it's like, like the physicality, the, the putting his shoulder into a big man to hold the big man off and finishing at the rim. It's, it's that stuff that, that not only shows how well he's playing right now, but sort of the growth he's made from, I guess, where he was earlier in this season. Um, he, he's been really, really good for the most part, other than those like two random three for 17 games after he came back from injury, he's been stellar for like a month, month and a half now. Two-time, two-time player of the week. And his numbers have just keep getting better since he came back. Like his April numbers are that much better than his March, and his March numbers were better than his February. So uh, hopefully he continues to play that way. He'll probably he need also, to do He so. missed a game in the week he was player of the week. That's impressive. Like you know you really went off when, when you missed a game – and still one player of the week. Although maybe it helped his player of the week case that the well, raise, it raises his average to 42 points per game in that player of the week. So, uh, yeah, good for him. I like that he's shooting the ball as well uh, and getting to the line. Um, I really don't have much else for my last pick. So I'm going to go with uh, the friendly guy who works near the convenience store near you. Yeah. Minaj. You tweeted about him and he just lifts up your day every time going in. I just, uh, I, I liked it. Tell us about this friendly uh, convenience store, man. He's just, I mean, just honestly, like the friendliest dude in the world. He just, like, he'll ask you about what's going on with you. He'll tell you bits and pieces of his life. And there's just, like, normally that bugs me. Like, I'm the type of guy, I don't want you to talk to me if I don't know you. You know, like. Yeah, that's unwelcomed. If you're my Uber driver, I don't want you to talk to me. If, If you're... I like my current barber. He's a good, <laughs> he's he's a good time. When he cuts my hair, I, I let him talk to me. But for the most part, like if you're cutting my hair, don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to to anyone. I'm just kind of to myself like that. But this it takes this, a special kind of person to be able to like just talk to a stranger and be like you're like you welcome that interaction. And so especially here in Boston or on the East Coast, people you're you don't like people talking to you. That's just yeah, bad. That's normally a bad thing. But there's just like a light to him, you know, like, and, and he lifts just, people up. He does. He's an energy giver. He's an energy giver. And I walk away from there every time. And today, the reason I tweeted it today was because he wasn't there today. Oh. And there was someone else there and he wasn't 
wasn't there to to give, give me give the, the little the little pep, the little motivation I needed to to leave there and and do great things with my day. So if if I w- was a little off this podcast, it's probably because I didn't see. That's why you were so negative this whole time. Like I came in kind of with that with that spirit with that joy, and you just hadn't seen the man in the convenience store, so you just uh, had a worse day, had a like negative approach. Yeah, and. I, I, like like I said, it, it takes a lot for a stranger to to get into my circle, but this dude is just positive, positive as hell. I'm here for it. That's why I had to bring him up. Positivity on the podcast. Yeah. So that your was your final, pick? yeah <laughs> three three for a loop there. Yeah, that, that did throw me for a loop. I got I got one more pick, huh? I'm going with Scott Morrison jumping off the bench. After the the goaltending and <laughs> subsequent lack of challenge, Scott Morrison, Celtics assistant, he's normally pretty measured on the sideline. I, I don't think I've ever seen him get fired up in that way. He jumped off the bench with a fire inside of him. He and was it, right. It was just spectacular. It was kind of chaos there. And, and, I don't know what the the discussion was on the TV broadcast about it, but in inside TD Garden from my seat, like I could just see everyone furious, and I could <laughs> see Brad trying to call timeout and get a challenge, and I could see players trying to call timeout and get a challenge, and I didn't know what the hell was going on because the refs were like, no, 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 and it was it was truly chaotic. And I, I, I'm not sure I've seen that much disagreement from the Celtics sideline this whole season. It was spectacular. It was awesome. And I think Scott Morrison really led the charge with kind of a next level reaction that just just showed, you know, the the energy and passion that that really drives him. Did Corrales get to any analysis of the coaches on his uh, film breakdown of the play? I don't think so. I, I think that's a level that that only anything is potable can get to. You know, he 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 Corrales, he'll break down the obvious, and then we come here for the layered nuance of of the stuff that that maybe you know most people didn't see. So yeah. Jay King's at the games, he can tell you everyone was furious up off the bench. Maybe it's the reason why uh, Jalen Brown just lost uh, Carmelo Anthony on the three-point line just because they were just so filled with rage. Who knows? We talked about the man in the convenience store can give you energy. Maybe the rage of the game just kind of sucks some energy from the Celtics, and that's that kind of inside scoop that anything potable gives you. Oh, no doubt. So if you want to continue to get and, that And scoop, I'm looking like a motherfucking bash brother right now. Yeah, Jay King, uh, we don't really do a lot of video, but he's wearing a thick headband with the hair popping out. Uh, kind of looks like a 1980s villain, maybe. Um, no, it looks like Dean Portman. I don't know the individual names of the Mighty Ducks, but I, bash, bash I was sure Dean that Portman. you're correct. You kind of look like the um, evil guy in Brink. Like, I don't Ooh, know. Val. Like, you kind of got the hair. X-Blades. Oh wow! You, I knew Brink was one of your go-to movies, so I knew you'd uh, pick me up there. I was an alley oop, but you, uh, you throw get... a milkshake all over me, or what? <laughs> you win. I I always win, but I, Team Puppet Suds got the W in that one, so maybe maybe I don't always win. <laughs> all right, well we'll end it there. Thank you guys for listening to this episode 
of Soul Skaters. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.